you have to be tenacious. You have to get out, go and get it every single day. Because there's going to be days when, when you're defeated. There's going to be days when, when you know, someone leaves a bad review for you on on, uh, on Yelp, right? Or Google. Um, or there's there's days where you, for me personally, I'll go knock on someone's door and I'll hear something like, go get a real job, you slime ball, you know, things like that. And you you, you got to be tenacious and you can't let it, uh, let it beat you. Main Street businesses are struggling as they face challenges nothing like we've seen before. You're listening to the Behind Main Street Podcast. Let's learn from real-world Main Street entrepreneurs. Pick their brains and learn their secrets to navigate, persevere, and overcome all the modern obstacles they face every day. Get ready to peek behind the stories, the struggles, and strategies of today's Main Street entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Behind Main Street Podcast. Here's your host, Chris J. Cardona. Great day, everyone. Welcome to the show. Whether it's your first time listening or are an avid follower, thank you so much for joining us. Show notes can be found at www.behindmainstreet.com. But before we get started, I would like to thank the sponsor for this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinkin' Local, a fundraising and giving-based marketing platform whose mission is to connect local Main Street businesses who care about making an impact in the local community with schools and nonprofits who believe in supporting their local businesses. Find out more by visiting Think the Letter in Local.com. Awesome. For today's episode, I'm so excited to interview my very good friend, Andrew Mendez, a husband, a dad of five, an entrepreneur, council member of the city of Azusa, realtor and broker associate at Century 21 Citrus. And to top it off is an active member of so many organizations that are focused on the community and focused on bettering people's lives. I don't know how you do it, brother. Andrew, are you ready to take us behind the curtains and dig into your story? Absolutely, Chris. Let's do it. Bring out the shovels. Let's dig for gold. Well, Andrew, I've given our listeners a little bit of a sneak peek of who you are. Why don't you tell them a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do? Got it, Chris. So, uh, you know, a couple different hats that I wear. So for first and foremost, my my primary job, I'm actually the sales manager at uh, Century 21 Citrus, which is in San Dimas. So a full-time sales manager. So 40 hours a week, I am... Um, I'm helping agents, I'm do, doing coaching, some trainings, uh, running role plays, things like that. Really just kind of get them from where they're at to where they're trying to get to is really the biggest focus. Um, in addition to that, I, I, I laugh when I say part-time, but I, I still sell real estate, of course. And so trying to trying to fit it in with the rest of the schedule. So still do pretty good selling real estate um, in addition to, again, being that sales manager. And then I'm also a city council member in the uh, city of Azusa. And, and so that's the, five. That, that, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> of course, a, a dad of five. So um, um, happily married uh, to my wife, Carissa, and uh, we have uh, five children together. Uh, and my, my, my favorite story, of, of course, to tell Chris is, you know, with the kids, is I have four daughters and I have one boy and the one boy to no surprise is the last one um, and the surprise baby, which which is the, the funniest part with it. So that's that's a little bit of a, the behind the scenes of Andrew. <laughs> well, tell me, other than that, tell me something interesting that you would say that your family or friends would say about you that most of us or most people don't really know about. Something that my family might say about me. You know, I, I, I think that the, the one running joke in my family is that Andrew's kind of that person 
that you have to explain to to other people, right? I'm I'm a little bit off the wall. I I don't I, I don't do things like a normal person. I really I really just like let, let's say we're having an event, as you know, you you and I have done some event planning together. But it, it it's it can't just be an event. It's got to be an event with all the bells and whistles. I I really like going over the top and putting on a performance, if you will, with uh, with just about anything that I do. Absolutely. Well, just like the golden days, Azusa, before you even became a a council member. I mean, I live on that street, like where that where, where that parade passes, and you you were very active in helping put that together, planning it, and all that stuff. So, I, you're a testament I, I, to I, that. I, I was. Thank you, and I appreciate that. And and to to highlight the over the top, one of the things that I was really big on when I was the uh, uh, the chairperson for that committee. Uh, was I, I was able to get uh, helicopter flybys to start off the parade, of course, which is something we had had in years, years past. But, you know, with liabilities and, and fears and frustrations and budget concerns, no one wanted to do it anymore. So I was actually able to bring it back uh, during my tenure there. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely attest to that. Um, how would you describe your mission in life? You know, Chris, uh, my, my mission in life, I, I, I think that we're put here in, in one way, shape or form to help other people. And I think uh, different people that, that means different things for it for me i think my my biggest call to, to action if you will is is trying to help people people grow I, I i didn't you know i come from very very humble beginnings my parents are uh, uh my, my dad was an immigrant from uh, merida yucatan which is uh, of course in the, the, the southern section of mexico and he had nothing and, and um, he was a big inspiration for me so to me trying to bridge, bridge that gap for people who have you know who who, who started here and are trying to get up to that next level in, in life is, is to me what I believe my my mission is. Absolutely. What would people say that they misunderstand about you the most? People misunderstand. I I, I think the um my probably my my what's the best way to describe it? I I, I guess my how I react to things. Um, I I don't take things seriously at all, Chris. I, I think one of the uh, anytime someone is like, oh, you, you can't make a joke about that or you can't laugh about that. My favorite response to that is, hey, at the end, none of us get out alive. Like we all <laughs> we all die at the end. So so to, to me, I think that I'm able to adapt to, let, let's say, a very stressful situation that someone might lose sleep about. And to me, it really doesn't bother me because I, I, I try and look at the, the bigger picture, if you will. And, and that, that I think is probably one of the hardest things for, for people to grasp about me or people to scratch their head about me is that. I, I just, there's never a situation that's, that's stressful. <laughs> well, if there was one thing that you would say, you know, An Mr. Andrew Mendez values most in life, what would that be? The, the, the one thing with, without a doubt, Chris, is, is family, right? It, it's that, that lasting legacy. It's, it's what, um, what my children will grow up to be, what my children will grow up to, to think of me, what my children will have because I was able to provide it for them. I, I, that's that one single biggest point. That, um, that that to me I, I would highlight. Have you ever had thoughts about the impact that you have in five years or so? A hundred percent. You know, so what? One of the things that I, I I think really big, of course, is is that short term, so short, medium, and long term goals. So what what my my next twelve months looks like, so what my next three to five years looks like, and then of course five to uh, five to ten years looks like. Well, um, speaking of that, I'm curious if Mr. Andrew Mendez won or had a hundred million dollars tomorrow what would he do with it if i had a hundred million dollars the first thing i would do is i would tell absolutely no one about it chris <laughs> i think that's that's number one i i think unfortunately that would put a big target on me right 
But um, th there's a couple things that I would do, of course. Um, the, the first, I go and, and chat with a financial advisor and figure out what how I can make this last and how I can stretch it as, as big as possible. And um, from a from a financial standpoint, right? From well, let's say from a an Andrew and his family's money. I mean, that a hundred million dollars, I, I I probably couldn't. Um, I mean, you could in theory, but I mean that that's more than sufficient. That's that's way more money than you'd ever need, right? So so to me, I would look to, look to create different organizations um, where where I can where we can figure out different solutions um, that you can um, that you can utilize those funds. For example, let's say maybe. As you know, we're really big on with the Shriner Children's Hospital. Um, so, what what can that money look like? Is, is it a hospital wing? Is it is it a different a, a, an additional um, outreach effort so more people know about the program so they can fundraise even larger? Things like that, I, I think, is what would be the heaviest focus uh, on that. What would you say your childhood was like growing up? I know you mentioned earlier that your father was an immigrant and he's an inspiration for you. What was your childhood like growing up? Uh, great question, Chris. So growing up, uh, we of course, we grew up in Azusa, which is still the same town I live in now. Uh, my, my parents bought a, a house there, and uh, my, my dad owned a, a plumbing company. It, it was called Davidson Plumbing. And um, so he had, he had kind of gone through the, the, the ladder, if you will, working with different larger plumbing companies. And it, it was just the rat race is what he was experiencing, right? Always making enough money to, to, to provide what we needed. But not so much money where where he was. We, we were living a really good lifestyle, or we, we were going on you know uh, hope, trips to Hawaii and things of that nature, or Disneyland passes. That that just wasn't the lifestyle. That's that, that's what he wanted, right? He he wanted to uh, to make his his own hours. He wanted to make his own legacy. So he owned a plumbing company, and um, it, it was it was really interesting. And I, and I hated it then. I'll be totally honest. That I hated it then. But he would take me with him in, during the summer, and he'd wake me up at six in the morning. And he would say, you know, hey, you're, you're coming plumbing with me. And so we drive into a, he, um, again, we drive from Azusa to a USC, which was, it was right down the street from USC there. And um, and he would take me with him. He'd, he'd show me the trade. And again, I, I didn't appreciate it. Um, and I, I can I can remember how being frustrated, being annoyed. All my friends are out, you know, either at summer school, uh, going on field trips and playing um, or out in the street playing tackle football with no pads and helmets on, you know. And here I am with my dad, you know, at, at nine and ten years old, going with him learning a plumbing trade. And and so that that to me, when I look at my at my childhood, I mean, that, that's that's what it was. Saving on Saturday mornings. Saturday morning, generally speaking, he'd do either a job for his company or or something to do a small job for, let's say, a family member uh, or a friend. And uh, and that that's really what what I can remember from from childhood. Wow. Well, with that said, did you have uh, yeah thoughts about your dream career or your dream job as a child back then? Absolutely, Chris. So I, when I was um, a couple years later, I, I was a uh, and I think I had that that dream that every every boy has, right? I want to be a, a firefighter or a police officer. Is I think what what a lot of us grew up dreaming about. So for me, it was firefighting. Um, and when I was fifteen, I joined the um, the Explorers for Los Angeles County Fire Explorers. Um, I, I once I graduated from high school, I did uh, my EMT um, and went that ladder, and I ended up getting a firefighter one academy. Uh, so I, I had that that inclination to to go of a more I'll call it a secure route. I I always thought, what if, what if, what if? You know, I was very fortunate that uh, when I was I probably about tenth grade or so, um, I, I had a um, a mentor at my school who who had kind of shared some finance books with me and got me thinking of a different mindset. But I, I, I don't I won't say that I have had anywhere definitely not anywhere near what I have today. 
but I, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur, or I'm gonna be a business owner, or I'm gonna go work for myself or whatnot. Um, I, I really, I think I, I assumed I would maybe help manage my dad's plumbing company. And on the other side of that, I, you know, I'd be a, a firefighter. Um, of course, firefighting, you know, you work three days a week. So I figured, cool, I'll have additional time to do what, what it is that I need to do. So that's, that was my thought process growing up. Wow. And what happened? Why didn't you become a firefighter? You, you know, a, a couple things. So um, I, I, I had, I started working with Kaiser and because I quickly realized, and, and these guys, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight these guys, these, these ambulance, these guys are working with ambulances, these EMTs. Um, these guys are the unsung heroes. These guys are dealing with a lot of the, the lifting now. And I, I know they've got like the power lifting, uh, uh, the uh, girdies and whatnot, but th these guys really are putting in a lot of grunt work and they're making minimum wage, Chris. And it just, it just wasn't for me. I, I had already had, you know, at this time in my life, I'd already had my, my first daughter, which I had at 17. And, um, it was a different, um, it was just a different mindset, you know? So, um, I had what the ultimate deciding factor was for me. And you'll probably remember this, um, is I was in a really bad motorcycle accident. Um, I crashed my motorcycle in uh, San Diego, and I was out there for a weekend riding with uh, riding with some buddies. I, I, I'd been awake like 30 hours because I'd worked the night before and went down there, and um, just wasn't you know wasn't on my game. Um, slipped around a, a corner and and crashed into it, and I I had a, a pretty jacked up back. But believe it or not, still till today I still have to deal with a little bit with uh, physical therapy and whatnot. Uh, but that to me was of course a deciding factor because I I you know how can you put me in a situation where with my due to the pain from my back or due to the you know I, I couldn't lift someone to carry them out of a out of a fire or drag hose you know or climb ladders and stuff like that so that's that's what the deciding factor was for me so i actually ended up going and i worked for kaiser and i was a case manager for that wow i mean i definitely remember you know us um, you know, for our listeners that don't know, um, Andrew and I are, are both uh, Freemasons and we're, we belong to the same lodge and that's how we got to know each other and build a friendship and, you know, became like family. And, you know, like I remember you like limping, walking around, trying to figure out like, oh, am I going to get back surgery or not? Like you're getting advice from older people <laughs> who also had their own issues. So absolutely. And I can remember them yelling at me saying you shouldn't be uh, this young in this position. So, yeah, I remember those conversations, cigar under the stars and, you know, kind of. <laughs> exactly. Good memory. Um, was there something you would think of, you know, when you think back into your childhood, was there something that you feel that led you to where you are today? Uh, yes, Chris. Um, and the, if I were to, if I were to look at one specific instance, and there were a lot of little things, right? Like a lot of little things, I think that that my, my dad maybe subconsciously or consciously put into my um, into my brain. But if I were to point to one thing, I can remember we were out in um, I, it was it was a beach town. It was so it would have been like Malibu, maybe Santa Monica, where we're working a um, and I can clear as day remember it. We are working a um, they call it a water service. Essentially, you you run the main water pipe from the water meter at the curb all the way to the front of this house. Well, the front of this house was probably 160, 180 feet from the um, from the water main, and I was there digging, and it, I I can remember, and and you'll laugh at this, but I remember it was Rick Dees, and uh, it, it you know Rick Dees in the morning we're we're listening to him on the radio, and he's talking about it is the hottest day of the year, and we're out there, Chris. Again, all my friends are are out and about. They're um um they're they're playing tackle football or they're you know 
that they're playing uh, GoldenEye 007, right, on the <laughs> Nintendo 64, and, and I'm out with my dad with with a pick or a you know a sharpshooter shovel, um, digging on the hottest day of the year. And I remember sitting down, and I can remember just sweat dripping down my face. And my dad said, "Do you enjoy doing this?" And I said, "No, not particularly." And he goes, "Learn a skill or learn a trade, so you don't have to do this." And, and that to me was 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 something I thought about regularly as a child. And I I think I, it was probably not till till I was really an adult, Chris, that it really kind of resonated with me, so that I I, I understood what they meant when what what, what he meant specifically. Uh, when he said that, was there um, something that was like a, you would feel like a turning point in your life that kind of you know because you wear many hats, right? You you had a sure. you had your daughter at seventeen, and you were you know like you basically grew up very very fast at that point, right? Like you Absolutely. as a dad, and a choice. Yeah, it's like you're you're thrust into fatherhood, and then. You have responsibilities. You have a dream of what you're trying to do. You, you go into an accident. You had an accident. And then you, at the back of your mind, you have all the, the teachings and the lessons that your dad kind of imparted to you. Um, you know, for you at that time, like you mentioned earlier, that it was something that you, it wasn't a choice, right? It wasn't a choice mm -hmm. that, hey, you were on these jobs and stuff like that. But those are kind of influencing you in the trajectory that you are going to go in life. And being sure. your dad, being owning a business as an entrepreneur, and you know, doing plumbing, and then you here going into trying to become a firefighter, and then being smacked by life, saying, "Hey, you know what? Like, <laughs> it's not like that's not where you need to go." And then you have to pick up the pieces and sort of figure out, like, "Okay, what the heck am I going to do now?" Right? Sure. Um, sure. Was there a turning point in your life that kind of made you decide, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to become a an entrepreneur and become a like a, a realtor." Yeah, there was, Chris. There absolutely was. And, and so um, I, I had, as mentioned previously, I was working for Kaiser, um, Kaiser Permanente, which is a hospital system, of course, for those who may not be local. And um, <clears throat> it's a, a very well-known, uh, millions of members throughout throughout California and other states. And um, I, I worked for them as a case manager. And so my, my job was relatively simple. It was, in short, if a, if a Kaiser patient was taken via the 911 system, which, of course, I knew very well, if it was taken to a non-Kaiser facility or non-Kaiser contract facility, it was our job to find them a bed at a another local Kaiser facility and bring them in. So the, the overall operation saved Kaiser something like $650 million a year. At, at that time, I'm sure today it's substantially higher as, of course, costs with everything have, have continued to go up. And I was very good at it. But as you know, Chris, I'm a very social butterfly. So I would the, the job itself to me was very simple. It was all relationship building. And I, I will say that I was one of the least educated ones there. Granted, I, the only reason I had the job was because I had the deep understanding of how the fire department, how the, the emergency medical side worked, and obviously some, some uh, emergency medicine um, training, it's, of course. But realistically speaking, that was, the, um, that, was the big, uh, that was the big thing. So I'm in there with a lot of doctors. I'm in there with a lot of nurses. So there was a lot of, um, when, when I went in there and they see me, chit-chatting with everyone all day long. They're like, hey, guy, get to work, get to work. Well, the problem was when they went and did our, uh, our I think, what do they call them, QAs, uh, your, your quality checks to see what your numbers are, I had the best ratios, the shortest period of time from when I got a case all the time to take the, the case closed. And so people were getting mad at me, but they had no reason to get mad at me because I was doing my job. So instead of trying to say, hey, Andrew, how are you so efficient? You have find so much time. 
it was it was really a matter of um, I, I will say that I, I people were just irritated with me. Uh, there was one manager in particular who would write me up for everything. I, I remember this is serious, Chris. I was written up for being one minute late for clocking in one minute late. Wow. And then so I started clocking in intentionally five minutes early, right? Then I got written up for clocking in five minutes early. <laughs> it just things like that. And the, the the last final straw for me, and I'm not exaggerating, I was written up for wasting uh, wasting uh, office supplies or some, something supplies. I put three filters in a coffee maker instead of just the one. And at that point, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like the amount of red tape I've got to deal with, the tiptoeing I have to do around here, I, I knew that I wanted to make my own schedule, and, and that's when I made the determination. And I and I and I quit. I, I I obviously I started getting my real estate license um, while I was there, but once once I got it, I, I said, you know, see you later, adios. <laughs> that's that's it. And I was at I, I I had some money saved, and, and I had a retirement um, that I I could have leveraged, which I ended up having to leverage. And uh, but realistically, Chris, there was no safety net. You know, the expression that comes to mind is is burn the ships, leave yourself a uh, leave yourself no other option so I, I i left a very secure job and I'll, I'll be honest i was criticized highly for it you know my my extended family was like what what are you doing why would you leave something secure to go with that i think and and, and i think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that very uh, with that very question absolutely i think you know you bring up a lot of great points there one of the things one of the the first nuggets that you said there is um you know, you having, you kept your job at first because you were not, I guess, the most educated, right? Like I, I throw air quotes up there, um, educated because, you know, you were able to keep it because of your past experiences. So for our listeners out there, you know, you never know what you have in your life that can you, that you can use to be able to leverage into a position or into a future that um, is brighter than where you were before. But the other thing too, right there is like, you knew the value that you had that you knew the value that you were able to bring not only, you know, the, the small, the business that you were in or the company that you were in, but also the impact that you could have within the community. And I think what that's, I would say is one of the like best decisions is being able to not just like say adios to that job, but taking on a, an opportunity where you could actually change people's lives directly. You know, you, you know, getting people into brand new homes, basically some, a lot of times, our homes are the most or the biggest investment that we will ever make in our lifetime. And you being able to fulfill people's American dream in that sense is I'm sure very, very um, uh, like rewarding, you know, when you, when you hand those keys in like, Hey, like you're able to do that. And like you said, your, your skills that you've had, that you have developed and the personality that you had really fit in, you figured out like, Hey, like I don't need to, I don't need to like change myself to fit here. I'm going to remove sure. myself from this situation and I'm, I'm going to put myself where I'm needed. I'm wanted and I'm, I'm appreciated. So I think, you know, like there's a lot more that you said there, but those are like some of the things that I just picked up. Like our listeners will get so much value from there. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Um, well, now that we've gotten to know your story a little bit more, are you ready? Can we go a little bit deeper? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's take this conversation behind the alleys and go deeper. Well, now that you are an entrepreneur and many other hats for that matter, what does being part of the main street community mean to you? You know, Chris, the, the, 
entrepreneurs, I, I think, are, are cut from a, a different breed, if you will, right? There's, um, there's, there's that, that drunk monkey, like I like to call it, in the back of the head, that, um, that, that is that fear, that uncertainty, that you know, should I, should I cut, you know, should I burn the ships? Should I go to that, um, should I go to that, um, um, what do you want to call it? Now? Should, should I, should I move on to what it is that I'm trying to do? Uh, should how, how much time should I focus on my goal? How much time should I invest in myself? In my goal, and I, I think that the hardest part of, of being that that local, you know, mainstream entrepreneur it is really uh, almost like having the courage to to jump from that ship to say, you know what, no, like I, I believe in myself, I can do this, I, I can I can grow myself, and I can grow other people with me at that same time. So that's that to me is what it means. Well, you know, on your journey of becoming an entrepreneur and who you are today. Um, when was that, you know, you're in Kaiser, right? You're doing your job and all that stuff. When did it, you mentioned there that you were, you, you were able to say adios because you were working on your sales, um, real estate sales license at that time. When, when did you first become interested in actually pursuing entrepreneurship and, you know, getting involved in, in that aspect of your life? Sure. So I, I think Chris, uh, and this might sound cliche, um, because I think it's a, it's a very, it's a consistently, um, recommended book but but to me i think it, it did a lot of mindset changing for me and that was the book uh, by, by robert kiyosaki which was of course rich dad poor dad and it really it really shifted my mindset and funny enough i read it while i was at kaiser so so they used to get mad at me again for for walking around and so what i started doing was i started bringing books which that was the one thing we were allowed to do and so i i, I would bring books with me or uh, if someone else was reading a book i'd say hey you know when you're done with that you might I read it and one of the books that one of the doctors was like, hey, you got to go read this book, was was Rich Dad Poor Dad. So he gave it to me, and I finished the book in like six days. I mean, I was obsessed with it. And then after I read it, I read it a second time, of course. And, and it's funny because the second time, you, now you, you get different things that you didn't remember getting from it the first time. So right there in that same little transition period of, of just getting beat up by Kaiser, that to me is, I think, when I made that conscious decision, like, no, there, there's more to life than this. There's more to life than punching a clock. There's more to life than than hoping that you know I I, I make enough money to do what I need to do. Um, there there's more to life than a security blanket, and, and and so it was during that little pocket that that I think I really made the conscious decision. And and I'll be honest, Chris, I don't know if I made the, the I don't know if I made the decision and said I'm going to be an entrepreneur, but my mind had been made. My mind had been made. So maybe a subconscious determination at that point. That's great. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. I definitely, um, you know, a lot of the interviews that I've had in this podcast and the other previous episodes, and you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a highly recommended book. I mean, it's one of my favorite books as well. So that's that's definitely a great thing. Was there a specific entrepreneur or community leader influencing your life? You know, there, there were a lot of a lot of little people, um, not not little people, but a lot of people. I think I took uh, little nuggets from. Um, if, if I were to say that, that well, one person, it was, it was definitely one of the doctors that I had worked with at, uh, at Kaiser, which was constantly like, dude, think bigger, think bigger, think bigger. Then I would say was that, was that one point that kind of pushed me to that next stage in my life. Since then, Chris, I, I think one of the things that I, I've done, I've been really good at is just trying to surround myself with bigger thinkers. I've cut out, as you know, I've cut out a lot of the, I will, I, I, I will cautiously use the word users, right? People who, who, and not necessarily drug use, but some of that's included in that too. But people who, it's a one-sided relationship, but they were just constantly taking, taking and giving nothing in return. I cut those people loose, Chris. And um, I, I surrounded myself with people and I continue to surround myself with people 
who are who I deem smarter than me, who maybe have a, a little bit more money than I do, and just just so I can learn, right? Uh, and specific people who have been where I am and are now in a different stage in their life, and what I can learn specifically from them. So, so if I were to point you an initial, that would be that doctor. His name was Doctor Sanders uh, at Kaiser. And then uh, if I were to point to other people, there's there's probably been 25, 30 people that since then that I've really um, I've really tried to, if you will, try to get them to take me under their wing so that I can really, uh, really continue to grow. Absolutely. That's great advice. You know, creating a mastermind group of people of like minded individuals to really push yourself. And I think not only are they pushing you, but you're pushing them because they see the success that you're having. I mean, I've seen you um, for many, many years now kind of where you were and just keep pushing every single year. You reinvent yourself and just add a little bit more, add a little bit more, add a little bit more. I don't know how you can keep adding to whatever you have on your plate, but (laughs) which is pretty insane in my opinion, but you do, right? Like you, you go from like doing this, like, Oh, like, well, let me, let me help manage this, the sales office. I remember when there was, there was a time when I'm not sure if your, your old sales office was bought out by your new um, agency or you moved or there was, there was a transition point there. And And you were talking about some of your goals that you wanted to achieve. And now talking to you um, in this podcast is like you've you've made those those decisions that I mean, those goals that you had a reality now. And now you have your broker's license. You're serving the community and all that stuff. And you're a council member for the city of Asusa. And I know we've we've talked about that before. And now it's it's also a reality for you. So like mad props to you just kind of putting a stake (laughs) in the ground like. Hey, I'm going to do this and I'm, I'll, I'll get there. Like it might not happen sure. now, but I'll just sure. keep at it. Just keep plugging along. And eventually I'm going to hit that nail and I'm going to make it. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. When, Appreciate when everything. was it that you decided uh, to really become a servant of the community? Even before, you know, even, you know, prior to you being involved in like the golden days committees and all the other extracurricular social, you know, organizations that you're involved with. Sure, great question, Chris. Now, growing up, I was very fortunate, um, and it was it was actually really funny because my dad didn't care for it very much. Uh, but we we were my my mom was heavily heavily uh, involved in um, in the church and different little organizations and whatnot. She she was there. She was the mom, right? Let's say we had a car wash for a fundraiser at the school in the morning. She was there at six in the morning, uh, setting up the tables, uh, setting up the uh, you know coffee so that they can they can buy coffee when they come get their car washed a pancake breakfast, you know, things of that nature. She was very big on you. You have to give back to your community. Uh, my, my grandpa, my, so my mom's father um, was heavily involved with politics um, from a, a state, a state level. And then again, a local level around the, the Pasadena Highland Park, South Pasadena area um, in, in a couple different, a couple different capacities. And my grandpa, and at the time, and, and, and I really, I really regret Chris, not, not understanding the value at that time, you know, being, being young like that and really not having the opportunity to pick my grandpa's brain uh, when he was so alive. But, but he would tell us these stories and essentially what it really was, was he, he had aspired to do something and, and he did so uh, after learning of some situations, which of course today we would refer to as whistleblowing, right? So, so he was a whistleblower. He brought some stuff to light where people, uh, where people went to jail for, for many, many years. Um, and it was part of a, a bigger a bigger scheme back in man, I don't know probably the eighties the seventies maybe um, and long story short um, he um, they had uh, attacked him attacked my grandpa and to the point where I mean he was he was in the ICU and um, 
this was again, I don't remember the year, Chris, maybe seventies or eighties, but any normal person I think would say, okay, I, I, I did what I needed to do. I, you know, they, they, they beat me up pretty bad and I'm going to, and I'm done. No, he, he ran for a, I, I, I want to say, uh, insurance commissioner, maybe back in the, uh, seventies or eighties after that. Um, so he was, he was really big on the don't let go. So I, I, I will say, I, I think I got a little glimpse of that, right. And, and heard stories growing up, but, but I wonder how much of that is really just inbred in into my, um, into my soul, if you will. But it was, it was really big growing up on us uh, to, to get involved with the community. And so for Zeus specifically, of course, my hometown, love it dearly. Um, and, and when I started thinking bigger, if you will, I started, I started looking at around our city, right? When you look at uh, Monrovia, for example, a city with a thriving downtown, uh, even Covina, of course, to our south now, same thing, thriving downtown, a lot of businesses, things of that nature. And when you look at the demographics of the city, the cities are very similar, about the same sizes, about about the same population. And so it was like, okay, what what happens in here? And this isn't a knock on anyone, because uh, there was, of course, external factors that I think played into this. But to me, I was just like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more for our city than this. And so I, I ended up putting my 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 hat in the ring, if you will, for the first time. And this was back in 2017. And uh, I, I wasn't really prepared. I, I didn't raise a lot of money. And I came off a little bit over the top, I think a little bit harsh. Um, I thought that you had to kind of ruffle some feathers, if you will, opposed to uh, opposed to saying, no, maybe, you know, these, these people did do things right, but here's what I would do differently. And this is why, um, which, of course, is the approach I took on my second time and, and found myself on a seat. Uh, but if I were to point to, you know, that that one community involvement aspect, I think it was probably my mom who was so instrumental with um with what I should do um, and why I was engaged in, in community efforts, if you will, at a young age. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, you going into this new role, um, I mean, you're, you've been heavily involved in community and doing all that stuff since you were a kid, but now officially in, in an official capacity, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you, you know, first took on that challenge? Like, you, you know, today, I'm being sworn. I I remember that picture. Um, you being sworn in at the at the um and and you know for our listeners, my my mom lives or I lived for a little bit in in Azusa, and at that time when you know like when we when I moved away from from there, that's the time that you became a council member. Maybe where you were just waiting for me to move out of the city for waiting you. Waiting for you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but how was that? You know, like you got sworn in, and then basically, hey. Let's get to work. How was that like? How you was know, that journey like? You, you know, Chris, it, it was uh, it was really it was really surreal. It really was. As a matter of fact, the San Diego Valley Tribune did an article on it because I, I I will call it baptism by fire. We were, as you know, Chris, in the midst of a global pandemic. Lockdowns had just started, so I I didn't even get the uh, the pomp and circumstance, if you will, that you'd normally get in with a swearing ceremony. It was my it was myself. It was our city clerk. And uh, they, they gave the okay at, um, right at the very end to allow my wife to go in there with me. And, and that was it. So she took, she took the, the infamous photo, if you will, that you're talking about that was in the newspaper. So she took that. And uh, I was thrown in with no introduction, with no, hey, this is where we're at. And hey, by the way, we've got a council meeting in six hours. <laughs> and so, and so to, to jump into that, if you will, was, was challenging, right? Now, in a different year, you would have, of course, in-person meetings, uh, an orientation with the city manager, the city attorney, the city clerk, 
things of that nature. But of course, they weren't doing that because of COVID. Um, and this was really before, um, really before Zoom really took off. So that wasn't super common at that time. Because uh, I mean, we had just went on lockdown. This was the tail end of March. And um, so there wasn't any of that. In addition to there, there's about six or seven really good uh, seminars that you can go to um, where it's like a weekend thing, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you can go and you go to this conference and you, you learn from other electeds. They give you advice. They give you tips. They tell you what to post, what, what not to post on social media, when to engage, what not to engage, what to say from the dais and what not to say from the dais, things of that nature. And I had none of that, Chris. So I was relying on a lot of, uh, a lot of trial and error. And so in the midst of that, of course, we, in addition to the normal city business, we're dealing now with businesses who are being shut down. We, we're dealing with business owners who have, again, other entrepreneurs who have created a, uh, a business for themselves or, you know, 10, 20, uh, some of them 40 plus years in the community. And they had shut their doors for the first time and they had no solutions and no, you know, so I think one of the biggest things we did uh, from an entrepreneur standpoint is we got uh, money, a uh, community, community um, development block grant, um, CDB, C, CBDG, CDBG, I was forget the analogy or the uh, acronym, but um, it's it's money from HUD that we get, and we were giving out ten thousand dollar grants, Chris, just to keep these businesses open, um, and it was it was it was it was heartbreaking, it really was, and so as a community leader, that gave me the opportunity one to give them a a lifeline, if you will, but two, you know, I, I'm like, hey, uh, how can we help them? So of course, you saw a lot of these, I'm sure where we're opening up into the streets, right? Where, where we're extending their dining room outside, where we're creating these to-go options that otherwise wouldn't have worked. And so working with our business community to try to get them to continue to generate income, I think was was probably, if I were to point to my, that one thing that really I, I'm proud of on that uh, on that council when I first got in, that, that without a doubt would have to be it, Chris. Sorry, for some reason, my mic just no turned off all of a sudden. No worries. So, um, yeah. So with that said, I mean, like you, you saw firsthand and, you know, to our listeners, that's why that's one of the reasons other than you being an entrepreneur yourself, being in the city. That's why I wanted you to come to the podcast, because the goal of this podcast is to really shed light on the struggles of Main Street businesses. These are the unsung heroes of America that are starting businesses in local communities that are trying to grow and hopefully employ people, not the big corporations, but the small mom and pop shops or small franchise owners that are trying to make it through the next day, the next day, the next day. You know, I, I work with a lot of businesses, um, you know, in my in my in my line of work as well. And you hear the staffing problem. You hear, you know, like all these things that are still haunt like haunting us until today um what did you like what did you wish you knew um back then when you when you know you're a, you're a city city council member and all these things come about if you were able to prepare right like you knew that this covid pandemic was about to hit what what advice or what what certain programs would you have implemented to sort of you know help some of these businesses at least keep their heads like or noses above water, at least. Sure, uh, and really, really thought-provoking question, Chris. And I appreciate you asking. Now, from a um, from an edu education standpoint, I, I think the one thing that I think COVID taught us, and I wish I I, I, I wish that we could all go back on, is be prepared, right? And, and that's a lesson I think from from a personal standpoint, right? Uh, make sure you have a an emergency kit at home for earthquakes or natural disasters, right? Um, to, to simply having enough money in the bank 
where, where you've got that little that little safety deposit box or whatever it be where you've got a, a couple extra bucks in there so that if if the the you know if it gets bad you've got something to fall back on so so that that I think would be the short term and the obvious but I think from a from a city perspective I, I I think we were able I think we were able to help enough businesses but to me it was it was late it was very late in the game Chris so I I wish that we could have had something where as soon as they were closing their doors we would have been able to say hey here here's some here's some uh, some funding to help you guys stay afloat or here's some solutions or immediately went to takeout options or immediately went to uh, the option of, hey, we're going to cordon off this one whole lane in our downtown area so that the businesses can spill out into the sidewalks and into the street so people can actually sit down and still enjoy a, uh, still enjoy dinner. I, I think that probably would have been the most impactful um, because there were so many businesses, Chris, as, as you know, who were shut down and were totally shut down. They had, they had no income. But again, they, they've got multiple employees and now the employees are trying to leave and find other jobs and whatnot. So where had, had they been able to stay afloat, you know, and had those reserves a little bit to pay them or to continue paying them or maybe open up a little bit, even if it was part time. I think that probably would have been uh, substantially more impactful than just the, 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 the delayed response. Right. The, the, the reaction we could have been proactive with it. Most definitely. And I think you, you know, I, I've, I've seen the work that you guys were, were doing, trying to do all these things. And I think a lot of not just the city of Azusa, but a lot of the surrounding, I think all over the U.S., a lot of um, cities really pivoted and kind of threw, I wouldn't say threw it away, but kind of put some of the law books aside to be able to really be practical in, you know, like, as you know, you know, working in the city councils, there's a lot of red tape sometimes in trying to get approvals. Like, oh, can I sell on the street? Like, well, no, we're, we don't really allow that. But with this, right. with this pandemic, that's unprecedented. Um, you guys were able to pivot and really like, you know, like I said, put away for a, for a significant period of time, some of those law books, the rules and regulations to where I actually think about the business owners and say like, you know what? We need you guys to not fold. Because we need what you bring to our to our city and the revitalization of downtown Azusa, and you know your you and the council members and the, the mayor and all the everybody that's involved there is you know that's that's going to be huge for for the city because there's, there's going to be more activities. I mean, you and I um, sometimes you know we, we don't live that far from downtown when we're in when when we're in Azusa, and you know sometimes we'll we'll walk down there you know have a, a drink or two, and now like when you do that. It's starting to feel like what you said earlier, like like the Monrovia, Arcadia, and all the like South Pasadena, Pasadena, and stuff like that. There's there's that happening, so I think that's that not only throws a bone in the community, but also gives it a boost to be able to really okay, like let's attract these people that are ready and willing to come out and support these businesses to go out there Absolutely. and actually do so. So you know, Absolutely. thank you for your service and thank you for for thinking about that and for doing that and being a part of that, you know, that growth that the Azusa city really needs. Sure. I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. Um, what would you say if you could have one superpower, what would it be? But before you answer that, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinkin' Local, a fundraising and giving-based marketing platform whose mission is to connect local Main Street businesses who care about making an impact in the local community with schools and nonprofits who believe in supporting their local businesses. Find out more by visiting Think the Letter in Local.com. And we're back. 
Digging for Gold on the Behind Main Street Podcast. So, Mr. Andrew Mendez, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Chris, if I were to have one superpower, I think if you asked me this question when I was a kid, it'd probably be like, I want to be invisible, right? But the, like the, the one superpower is like, I, I would love to be able to time travel. I'd like to be able to go into the future uh, or into the past and, and be able to to see how they did things and why and go into the future. And of course, see what that would look like and, and see what learning experiences we can uh, we can get or what we can shift to to maybe push something forward or, or maybe avoid something. That, that, that'd be my superpower. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, in your opinion, what is the most crucial personality trait that an entrepreneur or a community leader needs to have to have the impact and success? Can I give you two things, Chris? Most definitely. Okay. So first and foremost, you have to be tenacious. You have to get out, go and get it every single day. Because there's going to be days when, when you're defeated. There's going to be days when when you know someone leaves a bad review for you on on uh, on Yelp, right, or Google, um, or there's there's days where you, for me personally, I'll go knock on someone's door and I'll hear something like "Go get a real job, you slime ball," you know, things like that. And you 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 got to be tenacious and you can't let it uh, let it beat you. And the opposite side of that, or I'm sorry, the other side of that, and I think they go hand in hand, Chris, is you have to have that thick skin, that ability to just brush stuff off, right? To, to me, the way I look at if, if I call someone who I think wants to sell their property, Chris, for example, or knock on someone's door and they are instantly mad at me, I mean, there's two ways to react to that. I can be like, oh my gosh, why is this person so mad at me? What did I, right? Did I do something to offend them? I, that, that's one way to look at it. And then I can go and, you know, mope and walk all sad to my car. Or I can think of, oh my gosh, this poor guy, I wonder what happened to him this morning that he felt the need to unnecessarily snap back at me like that. And, and, and so that, that thick skin, I think, is, is critical in, a, in the entrepreneur realm. Absolutely. I mean, thank you for giving those two, those two things. And like you said, they go hand in hand. Um, a lot of times we do get those setbacks. We do get those snapbacks um, and you know, those like un, unflattering Yelp reviews that, you know, it seems like a lot of these platforms, I mean, me working in marketing, as you know, you know, I, I get to work with and see the, these things, you know, like reputation management and stuff like that. It seems like they want people to leave bad reviews because that's how, in a way, they get their money, right? They because then you have money, to pay absolutely. for, you know, for someone to help you do these, you know, like manage it and stuff like that. But on the other side, like you said, you know, being able to like face some of these adversities head on, you know, not like walking like back to your car with your tail behind, you know, in be between your legs and just feel like, Oh, like, what did I do wrong? Like it was me. It's not, but it's like, you're right. It's like, Hey, like I I'm doing this because I can help you. I'm doing this because sure. I'm bringing value to you. And unfortunately you don't, you, you're going through something. So you're not able to see the value that I'm trying to give you right now. And sure. you know, it is what it is and you move on and maybe, you know, maybe down the line you can work with that, with that, with that person again. Right. Sure. hundred percent. hundred percent. What would you consider up to this point, your biggest failure and what did that teach you? So if I were to point to my, um, my biggest failure or setback rest, and we spoke about it a little bit, I think it would be that motorcycle accident. Right. I, I look back on that and that was, that was probably preventable. I, I, I know accidents happen, but again, I was, I was awake for something like 32, 34 hours. I'd worked the whole day before. Didn't sleep and I worked through the night. So didn't, didn't sleep at all. And then I ride down again from, from Azusa to San Diego, which in itself is a two hour drive. 
in a long time to be on a motorcycle. And then we're out there for like eight hours, you know, grinding away. So I, I'm 10 plus hours on a motorcycle. And of course, you know, Chris, that you have to be, you know, on your game. You've, you've got to be mentally and physically in it. And so we're going through hitting all these, these curves and these mountains and whatnot. And, and I just didn't have it. And, and I should have, first of all, I should never have gone. Secondly, if I did go, I should have been there, showed up for an hour and said, okay, guys, I got I to gotta get home, right? Or maybe check myself into a hotel for a couple hours and, and get some sleep. So I, I will say that was probably my biggest, my biggest failure or, um, or setback. But I, I think that the good part of it, of course, is had that never happened. I mean, I, I may be sitting on a fire engine or a fire truck right now, right? And, 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 and that, that could have been my, that could have been my lifestyle while managing my dad's business. So I, I, I'm a firm believer in, although that was a setback, it was a, it wasn't, it, I think it spun my life in the direction I needed to go, the, the, the direction I should have went. Absolutely. And that positive outlook is what I think, um, it helps you become successful and get through the, some of those struggles that you personally have gone through and continue to move forward and, you know, make and do big things for the business and as well as the local community that you live in. Um, is there someone or something that you personally turn to when you feel stuck? You know, Chris, I, I am a big fan of reading, which, which I kind of laugh about because all my teachers in high school would tell you what Andrew reads. Uh, so, so for, for me, um, as you know, I'm a very positive person. Um, there's not very many things that will irritate me or get me mad. Um, and, and really that, that to me is a conscious decision, right? I'm not going to allow someone else to have an effect, a negative effect specifically on, on, on my, on my, on who I am, on, on my, on my spirit. Um, and so what I do to control that, I'm constantly trying to read good books. And I know you, you were very big on reading good books. Um, and so, so I think if I were to point to one thing that I do consistently, it's, it's read or try to try to keep positive thoughts in my brain and keep with that being said, keep negative thoughts out of the back. So if I have someone in my life, again, who's, who's not a right fit or who's constantly bringing that negativity, I, I politely cut them out of my life. Um, you won't catch me on the news, right? I, I never, as a matter of fact, at home, we, we have one TV and it's, it's unplugged Monday through Friday. The kids might watch it on, you know, Friday night, Saturday or Sunday. But during the week, Chris, there, there's there's nothing on that TV. There, there's no news. We're not streaming Fox or CNN or MSNBC. There's no there's no drama going into my brain, and that's that. I think is the the one thing I would point to. Most definitely, I think keep keeping drama out is is a huge factor in keeping your sanity as a as a as an entrepreneur, business owner, and you a community leader. Again, we need to keep that drama out because that influences. The decisions that we deal with on that day to day, you know, on that story that you told, you told a question or two ago about that guy snapping at you when you knocked at his door, he was going through some drama in his life that, you know, he had the, he had the, he had to feel the need to snap, snap at you because of that external drama that he was dealing with that, like you said, you could have been avoided if he probably wasn't watching the news, wasn't turning on the TV, <laughs> wasn't consuming all sure. of these negativity that's negative out there right now which we live in a very divisive society at this moment and i think protecting ourselves from that you know it, it's it's of utmost importance for our own sake right sure what drives you what drives mr mendez to keep going when the going gets tough you, you know chris at the end of the day i i think the perfect example is right behind you <laughs> and, and and that's the kids right uh, to, to to me my my kids are my uh are my everything. I, I work. I work hard. 
And uh, don't get me wrong, there's days where I'm like, man, I should, I should probably, right? It's it's seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and I'm still working. Uh, or some of our council meetings, Chris, as you know, go to eleven o'clock. We've we've had some that are over or past midnight, right? And and so when I do that, so if I need to be at my at my day job at seven thirty, eight in the morning, and I'm at a council meeting till eleven o'clock or midnight, there's not a lot of time in there for family life. So what I do to kind of recoup from that, if you will, to 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 continue um, spending sufficient time with my kids is, is I like to do just really dedicated things with them. And of course, stuff like uh, w w in, in three weeks, we leave on a trip to uh, Hawaii for a week. Um, I'll, I'll go and take off a, a weekend and we'll go out camping or we'll go dirt bike riding, you know, things of that nature. So to me, my, my driving force is, is my kids. And, and, and again, that legacy that they think of, you know, they think of me um, after I'm gone. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, with that said, you know, are there any other than reading the books, right? Going through a person that you're, you know, you you feel when you're stuck, you you talk to them, the mastermind group that you mentioned earlier. Are there any resources that help you gone through, get get through some of those struggles? Uh, you know, from, from a from a business standpoint, I, I um, obviously my, my my broker is is very big. Um, I, I confide a lot in him, um, and of course he's. He's gone down the same road where he's managed people and he's dealt with selling at the same time and simultaneously. Now uh, he's he's focusing on now the the day to day operations of the business and how how can I continue growing the company, right? And uh, so so I I rely on him heavily. I really do, Chris. Him and I will have just these deep conversations. I've had the opportunity, for example, uh, just two weeks ago we were in Vegas for a a conference for a week, and uh, we uh, we had multiple lunches, multiple dinners, multiple. Um, uh, we, we, I mean, we flew back and forth with each other, right? And so just that opportunity to to talk, sometimes just to vent, right? And sometimes just to shut up and listen because he's gone through a lot of this before, right? And so so that to me, if I were to point to one person, it would for sure, it would be my boss. Absolutely. Um, what has been your biggest like aha moment? In business, in life, or... In, in what aspect? In in life in general. Like it could be business. It could be, you know, you being in the council. Like it's just a light bulb moment. Like this is something that I think, you know, because, you know, you mentioned earlier, one of the things that you wanted to leave is a legacy, right? For your family, for the people that you affect in your day-to-day -day life, whether it's in your business, it's in your it's in your family, or it's, it's in your community, um, being a community leader. Um, any aspect of that, was there like just a light bulb and this is the biggest impact that I could have. And this is how I'm going to do it. You, you know, Chris, absolutely. So I, I think it, and, um, if I were to point to one thing that was just a, a total aha, and it may sound small to some people, um, but it, it's, it's the compound effect. I, I think that when we're, when we're younger, we have this idea that, right, we go and we're running and we're running and we're running and we're running and then boom i'm a multi-millionaire with you know a million followers on instagram no, that's not how it works chris it is a series of very small decisions every single day that continue driving us forward right so to, to me i think that realization i mean from everything from like i i've got an account i remember that i started every time i closed a transaction i would throw 500 into this investment account well i remember after a couple of months it was only like three or $4,000. And I'm like, man, this is going to take forever in order to get up to what I needed to get to in order to get an investment, right? And then boom, you keep doing it and you keep doing it. You keep plugging away at it. 
right? I, I start doing more transactions every year. So that now it becomes again higher and higher. And now before I know it, that, that account has compounded to something where I look at it, I'm like, wow, how on earth was I able to save that much money, right? So to, to me, that that I think that the small little decisions are really going to have a profound impact on our on our lives. And that's really what it comes out to be because we don't just wake up one day, Chris, as you know. Yeah, I, I think we, we hear about overnight success stories all the time, but that overnight was like a, the longest night, right? That's like a, a, two, a five to 10 year winter that, that they've exactly. gone through. <laughs> it's like um, if, you, if you're a watcher of a, or follower of Game of Thrones, it's that what they call the long night. <laughs> nice. I, I, I've never seen an episode, but it, it's it's on my list. It's on my list. If, what, next time I plug in the TV, I'm going <laughs> to download HBO. <laughs> exactly. Well, if you can talk to, I mean, I know that at 17, you were a dad. But if you had a chance to talk to 18-year-old Andrew Mendez, what advice would you give him? I I think that uh, 18-year-old Andrew, um, of course, was very different than today's Andrew. And I, I think a couple of pieces of advice. Number one, of course, save, save money, save money, save money, save money. Again, looking back on the compound effect, um, and, and as I had mentioned when I was uh, when I was at Kaiser, I, I was able to put some money away uh, for a 401k, what I, what, which I ended up liquidating, of course, um, and having to rely on when I was first getting into real estate because I really didn't factor in how long it would really take me to, to launch, if you will. Um, so saving my money would, would be number one. Number two is, is don't waste time on that drama. Uh, Chris, I, I was I, I had relationships with friends, um, with my with my daughter's um, mom, right? My my oldest daughter's mom, and they just weren't healthy relationships. Um, I, I would it was just spewing in negativity, which I think now is why I've made such a conscious decision that I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to allow that into my life. So saving money and stay as drama free as possible would probably be the two biggest. And three, and probably most importantly, is, is spend time with your grandparents and your parents, right? Because I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time. And I remember when my grandpa passed away thinking, well, I, I really wish I knew him better. And so to, to me, that's something that I instill in my kids, right? Trying to keep that relationship uh, locked in with my kids and, and my parents so that they, so they, they really see that. That's wonderful advice. I wish somebody gave that to me when I was 18 years old. So I'll, anybody that has a kid that's listening to this podcast or is young, a young hustling entrepreneur, heed Andrew's advice there. Thank you. With running an unbelievable schedule, both at home and at work and, you know, out here in the community, what's your pay- favorite productivity hack? My, my favorite productivity hack, Chris, is, and this was hard for me to grasp, but the tighter my schedule is, the more free time I will have. I'm going to say that again. The tighter my schedule, the more free time I have. Now, I, I as, as you know, as explain, you too, please. <laughs> it, so if, if I have something scheduled at 8 a.m., I don't wait till 8.45 to start on it because everything else for that day is going to be delayed, right? And now if I, if I was supposed to be home at 6.30, well, because I haven't done the things necessary when I was supposed to do them because I was procrastinating, well, now I'm at the office at 8 o'clock doing things that I should have done at 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock, whatever it be. So the tighter I keep on my schedule, and that's from everything from meetings uh, to, to something as trivial as lunch, right? If, if I've got an hour scheduled for a lunch, Chris, and let, let's say I, I'm going to meet up with a um, with a client of mine, even or a uh, a friend of mine. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them, hey, you know, I I'm uh, I'll meet you at twelve, but just so you know, I have to leave at one o'clock or one 
115. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and so, so that way they know, right? So, so I don't leave and it's not awkward and, uh, they know to respect my time and I know to respect their time. So, so that to me is my, is my hack, right? And people say, Andrew, how do you do all these things in, in one day? Well, Chris, my, my mantra is I'll procrastinate tomorrow. I'll procrastinate tomorrow. So I'm going to do what I need to do today with no exceptions. I'm going to be there on time and I'm going to leave on time. And that to me has been my greatest hack. Now, obviously there's, there might be some exceptions to that. Um, or some days it doesn't go as perfect as I wanted to, but realistically, Chris, that's what it allows me. That's what allows me to spend time with my kids when I'm supposed to be spending time with my kids. That, that's what allows me to respond to emails when I'm supposed to respond to emails. That, that's what allows me to work with my clients and give them the time and attention they need because I'm doing within the pocket that I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. That is one great, 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 great advice. Doing what you need to do today for the benefit of tomorrow. I think it's the, the best way to be able to sum that up. Um, if there was, you were granted three wishes, what would you wish for? If I were to grant three wishes, oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, no, number one, I, I think, the, the, of course, the, the most obvious is um, is money. Everyone wants to be <laughs> right, rich, rich and famous. So what, did, what, what did Freddie Mercury say? The fame, fortune, and everything that goes with it. Um, so that, that that would be right. So so that that way, I would never have to worry about money again. I never have to think, you know, again from a standpoint of of generating that wealth, right? I, I can live off of the interest or whatever it be. So no, number one, that's that's what it would be. Uh, number number two, and this might sound a little bit weird to some people, but I, I think, and, and we talked about it a little bit, Chris, our nation is divided right now. Our world is divided right now. And 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 to me, and, and I'll say this for being in politics, that I think a lot of it's intentional. And it's a shame. It really is. Because at the end of the day, we're not focusing on driving our country forward or driving our community forward. We're driving off, oh, these evil Republicans or oh, these evil Democrats or whatever it be, right? And so I wish we can end this nonsense nonsense political divide that would that would be wish number two um may, maybe not going so far as world peace because i don't think we'll ever have world peace right um they, they they go back to biblical times if we look at the history of the world but um from from a standpoint of really being able to just have honest conversations i think um is is what i i would really honestly like to see and wish number three, man, I don't know. I, I hope Regina does the pop because I'm really bad at this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, that number three, a lot of things are going through my head. Chris. I don't know. I, I don't know what I pick as a number three. I really don't. What would Carissa give that w one wish for her? What would she wish for? <laughs> Throw her I, a bone. I think Carissa, Carissa would probably wish for a, a, a house that cleans itself and does its own laundry is really what the, uh, there you go, right there. Yeah, there you go. I want that wish too, Carissa. The, 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 the Jetsons house, right? The, the house that, uh, the house that always, uh, always cleans itself and the, um, and, uh, uh, the laundry that washes itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, to the people that don't know, Carissa is, uh, Andrew's beautiful and supportive and pretty much her, his, his backboard pretty much is his whole career now. Um, and she's, she's so, so wonderful. Um, I think she, she does it, a lot of behind the scenes. I know. And I, I think a lot of us, like the wives that we have, we couldn't do, we couldn't do what we do. Um, however successful or not yet successful, we, we think we are without the, the support system behind us. So yeah, Absolutely. shout out to our wives. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that.
Can you can you recommend three books for our audience other than Rich Dad Poor Dad that has helped you? I, I can, Kristen, and I appreciate you asking. So I, I think that, um, that, that there are a couple of books that I will recommend. Uh, the, the first is uh, going to be Relentless by Tim Grover. You've probably read that one, Chris. Uh, it, it's a, uh, to, to me, it's, um, it's an impactful book. Um, and, and it's interesting because he doesn't tell you how to be relentless in it necessarily, uh, but the, the mindset that goes behind some of these, these greats. Uh, so, so Tim Grover uh, was the, um, uh, the, I'll say the physical coach and the mindset coach for a lot of the greats, uh, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and uh, these these individuals who were just these powerhouses uh, in, in sports and in basketball. So he highlights a lot of that. It's a really interesting book. Um, so so that's the first one. Relentless, Relentless right? Tim that's Grover. the book. Yes. Relentless by Tim Grover. Number two, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I think, Chris, one of the most underrated books of, of all time, because I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it, it really comes down to um, it really comes down to um, talking to people, just having that relationship. Right. Um, how do you react to things? And, and I think that in that book, from such a uh, from such a simple standpoint, uh, from such a simple standpoint, I, I think it really highlights um, what, what's really required and, and, and the manner in which you should approach things. So I think it's a, a really good Dale Carnegie book. Um, and the last, that there's a couple of different ones I'm thinking, but I, I think that um, if I were to point to one specifically for our entrepreneur friends, it's going to be the E-Myth Revisited. Um, they they re-released it a couple of years back. And because I, I think it just really, I, I, I think that there's a, that entrepreneur myth, right, in, in America that, you know, you're, you're going to go in and you're going to work uh, on your schedule, on your terms, and you're going to be a multimillionaire. I know there, there's a lot of behind the scenes. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartache. That there's a there's a lot of time where, where we're doubting ourselves, right? We spoke about that a little bit earlier. Um, that that fear that am I doing what I should be doing? And so I think that book really highlights the Emith Revisited really highlights what what entrepreneurship is in um, in in our country. And I think it really lays that foundation of of setting up your expectations for for what it, what it should be. So those are gonna be my three books. So wow, Let's those are by Tim Grover. Yeah, yeah, those are um, absolutely. For me, like some of the most influential books of all time, I think I, I I don't I still don't understand to anybody that works in education. I don't understand why these are not taught or given as a textbook in high school or even especially how to age. with friends and influence people. Oh yeah, I mean such a, a it's not a long book. Um, it is I you know or 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 the richest man in Babylon. I mean that's a that's an hour long book. Maybe, you know, yeah. that should, that should all be required reading because it's just such, such basic concepts, such basic principles. And yeah. I, I think we, we really don't teach a lot. In, in, uh, Absolutely. In it's a shame. That's something we do. We do need, we do need that a younger age. Um, now, you know, what are you most looking forward to your future as a uh, community leader, as an entrepreneur, as a father, as a husband, what is Andrew Mendes most looking forward to now in life? Yes, <laughs> all of the above. Uh, all of the above. I think a little bit, Chris. Of course, from from a standpoint of, of work. Um, again, I got my broker's license. What specifically I'm going to do with that? We we shall see in the next in the next couple of years. I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, family life. As my kids get older, I I've really been focusing, Chris, on spending quality time together. So not just you know time um, in the same house as them. But but um, as mentioned, we, we do Hawaii in about three weeks. 
Um, so going out and having excursions with them. This past weekend, we were out dirt biking. Um, before that, we were in a, we, we spent five nights in Big Bear where we're exploring, we're hiking, we're experiencing nature together. And so trying to experience these, these life things with the kids, I think is really my focus so that they don't think of dad as just working a lot of hours, right? But of course, I still need to work a lot of hours to achieve what it is that I'm trying to achieve. So playing that, playing that balancing act, right? So from a professional standpoint, I'm very excited to see, to, you know, to, to see the growth and, and what the future lies ahead of me. Um, and number two is, is how I can continue molding my family so that we spend that, that really good quality time that, that sitting on a beach, you know, to, together on a, you know, in Hawaii or, or in a, you know, Puerto Vallarta or, you know, wherever it be, just spending that quality time so that they've got these memories, you know, of, of what growing up with, with mom and dad really looked like. Absolutely. That is, that's very inspirational for us to hear. And, you know, I've seen, like I said, I've seen your growth and I, I'm no doubt that you will be there relatively soon, sooner rather than later is what I believe. <laughs> I appreciate that. Is there any question that you wish I'd asked you that I never had a chance to in this podcast? Is there any question? I, I think the one thing we, we probably didn't hit on, Chris, which I think would be appropriate, was um, was how did I start off in real estate from like a my first couple of close transactions? Because I think that's an important lesson. Yeah, please. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll highlight how I survived that, if you will. So when I first started off, um, I, I thought, oh, cool, I'll go, week, I'll go work with one of these uh, like flat fee brokers is what they call them. So you, you close a transaction and you just give them like $600 um, and you keep the rest of the money, right? So I, I thought I'll, I'll work there. Well, as, as you know, Chris, real estate is very complex. There's a lot of behind the scenes. There's a lot of skills you need to know. And I didn't have that. So I worked for my first company for about eight or nine months. Chris, how many deals do you think I closed? One, two? Zero. Oh, wow. My first eight or nine months, I closed zero transactions. So then I went and, and I worked with another company, and uh, this this company was a uh, was Keller Williams, and and not a not a bad company, Chris, but just not my. Um, it, it didn't work out for me, and I'll and I'll go into it a little bit. Um, and um, I I had um, I was there for about eight or nine months, and I sold one house for like one hundred and sixty four thousand dollars in Baldwin Park, California, and. Uh, it just it just wasn't a lot of money, right? So I'm like 17, 18 months in the in the, the business, and at this point is when I I had no choice but to liquidate my 401k. And uh, so remember, I, I chatted about that earlier, having that earlier, which was which I think was an important little safety net because I I probably would have had to go back to Kaiser at that time, but I I had bumped heads with the broker of this company, and I looked at it then, Chris, as a total setback, and now I look back at it so. Had I not left, I would have never left. I would have never met my broker now. I would have never been exposed to my broker's thinking, um, the training, the resources available. So my first 18 months, I closed one transaction. My my next 12 months with my current broker and, and still broker today, or my then broker and current broker today, I closed 17 transactions, Chris. Um, which wow, is just that's a, a big leap. A, a day and night, right? And so obviously, uh, you know, in, in real estate, trying to keep that, that consistency, um, and, and despite again being full time sales manager, I'm, I'm still able to keep numbers that are in that same realm, um, which, which has been very lucrative for me for my family, and has been, been able to uh, afford us things. So, but I think that a lot of times, especially with with Hollywood, right, we kind of romanticize this idea of entrepreneurship, 
Chris, I, I was eating cup of noodle, brother. I, I was I was maxed out on my credit cards. I was liquidating my 401k. That was real life. Like that was real life. And when you have that fire behind you, when you've lost your safety net, right? I burned the ships. I was out of money. I had no choice. And, and, and so when I learned what to say, right, with the scripts, with that information, and I went to um, I went to um, to utilize it um, with the, with the new company that I again that I'm still with today. I mean, I I just was seeing massive success, and and, and it was just absolutely exciting. It really was. But it was it didn't start off that way. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that and unpacking that journey a little bit for our listeners, for the benefit of our listeners, and for the, for my benefit as well. I didn't know that that story. I mean, when we when we first got introduced to each other, and we met you know as as members of the um, the Masonic Lodge in Glendora. You were already um, you were already I think working for the current broker that you're still with today. So you know I just kind of saw yes. your journey from there to where you are now, which is a dramatic leap. But I didn't realize that before that, like you were leaping from zero to to seventeen. That's like a like seventeen hundred percent better than what, what <laughs> where, where you were, and like tapping into your four hundred one k and all that stuff. And you're right. I mean. A lot of times we glamorize. I mean, you look at TikTok, you look like uh, you look at um, Instagram. You see, like, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you do an Amazon uh, sell an Amazon. This is how you like all these things that are simple and easy. But anything that comes easy in life is easy to lose as well. And th that's sure. that's a point that you you know you've you set throughout um, this podcast. And for the benefit, like I said, for the benefit of our listeners, understanding that journey. That um, you know, I have Kobe Bryant behind me. Yeah, I'm Mamba mentality. It's it. you know, it's all I about, it. it's really all about the grind and getting there, enjoying the process because it's going to be a long process. And sure. I, I was speaking to an entrepreneur um, last night, and she said that once I go from A to Z, there's more beyond Z, like Z one, Z two, and all that stuff. And I think it's for you. And I, I can imagine, you know, when we have this conversation, maybe, I don't know, hopefully, forty, fifty years from now looking back at it or listening to this podcast, like, you know, you will own like, you know, buildings and you're like, you'll be like the, I was going to say Donald Trump, but maybe not, maybe Grant Cardone <laughs> instead. <laughs> Grant Cardone or a Rockefeller, right? Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, in, in closing, what is one piece of advice that you can share with our listeners in their journey to become or are, or the current journey as entrepreneurs? Great, Chris. Thank you. Um, but I, I think the one, the one piece of advice is that there's going to be a lot of naysayers, and some of those naysayers, um, may, maybe people that you you really thought would be there to support you would would really be there to uh, to lift you up, if you will. Right? I think sometimes that we have this this mindset. Well, just because they're my family or because they're my friends or they're going to use my service, they're going to use my business. Chris, l let me tell you how heartbreaking it was for me when my own family was buying and selling properties when I'm starving, when I'm struggling, when I'm on that cup of noodle diet. And they were out using other realtors. And, and that, that broke my heart. And you've got to be able to get past that. You've got to be able to get up every single day, even on the days you don't want to, and, and look and say, you know what, today I'm going to go, I'm going to tie my running shoes, and I'm going to go find someone who needs my services, who needs my goods, right? It's like the book, uh, Who Moved My Cheese, which is another, if I can add a fourth recommendation, that's going to be it. But it, it's, it's being able to persevere, right? It's be, being, being tenacious enough. To, to not get super offended when, when someone does something to not help your business or when you invite your friend to your grand opening and they don't show up, look past that. 
look past that. that that's you focus on you and don't let that little stuff bug you and just keep grinding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where can listeners learn more about you and your business? Uh, you know, Chris, that, that's a good question. I, 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 I'm on Instagram. Um, I, I have, um, my, my political account, I think it's Andrew for Azusa. So I'm, I'm on, I'm on there and I probably post the most on there and on Facebook. So same thing. It's at Andrew for F O R Andrew for Azusa, um, for both Instagram, Facebook, and I even got a Twitter on that, but if they want to know more about me, I've certainly got some information or they can go to uh, my website, which is andrewforazusa.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, my friend, Andrew, for everything that you do for the community, for the business community, the entrepreneurs, you know, the, the, the people of Azusa, and for also giving me and our listeners your time today. I invite everybody to please connect with Andrew from the City of Azusa Council, also the sales manager of Century 21 Real Estate um, in Citrus. Also, please do share, subscribe, leave a rating and review. I would very much appreciate your honest feedback, which will help me continually provide impactful content that I hope you all will find valuable. And remember, every day that you face adversity, think of it as an opportunity to find the gold inside you. Until next time, have a successful day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Behind Main Street Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Remember to visit www.behindmainstreet.com.